before the goodness starts flowing, I want to welcome you to the STR Sisterhood, real life stories from real life women in the short-term rental industry. I'm your host, Stacey St. John, ex-corporate girl who discovered how to replace her six-figure salary through short-term rentals and who now has the pleasure of helping others do the same. On this show, we talk to real women in the short-term rental space about their journeys and how they've managed to turn their STR dreams into reality. If you're an ambitious woman who's looking to build a successful short-term rental business, you are in the right place, sister. Welcome to another episode of the STR Sisterhood. I am your host, Stacey St. John, and I am so, so excited to be with you today. Now, before we get into this episode, I want to share with you a quote that I recently saw that resonated with me. And it says, the best way to predict the future is to create it. And my friends, those are very, very relevant words from the first African-American woman to travel to space, Dr. Mae Jemison. Okay, in this episode, we are talking all about building a gold star brand. And I sit down with the co-founder of the 100 Collection, Rebecca Lombardo. We chat it up about what it takes for you to build a standout brand for your short-term rental business. And she gives us all the behind the scenes tips and tricks about what the very best brands have in common. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into my conversation with Rebecca. So today we are joined by my good friend, Rebecca Lombardo. Rebecca, thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you for having me. This is going to be a really fun conversation. And I want to just share if you hear birds chirping in the background, Rebecca is not recording this with a parakeet on her shoulder. She is sitting outside. So we also get to enjoy the the gorgeous sounds of nature. Rebecca, why don't you start off and share with our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. So I am the co-founder of the 100 Collection, which is basically Michelin starring vacation rentals. But ultimately, I'm a brand and marketing uh, guru, freak, extraordinaire. I love it. Been doing it for quite a while. I started out kind of as a journalist, you know, telling stories through uh, writing articles, and I also did photography and I did video. So I started out as a backpack journalist for CNBC back in the day and went overseas. I was in South Africa and Japan and Ukraine and just had a wild time traveling and telling stories. Amazing. And so how did you go from a journalist who is traveling the world and writing and make the evolution to the short-term rental space? What was that journey like for you? So I actually parlayed my experience into what eventually became content marketing, which a lot of journalists did, and then went to work for a software company that did marketing. And then another software company that aggregated social media content. So it was like social media listening for these big brands. 
So like Revlon, Kraft Heinz, Jackson Hewitt, they were all listening on Instagram, Facebook to see what everybody was saying. And I helped them understand what was going on and how to be a part of the conversation. I love that. I love that. And so fast forward to today, you're with a company called the 100 Collection. I know you mentioned it's, you know, essentially Michelin starring vacation rentals. Tell us a little bit more about that and how your prior experience has helped you be successful in your current role. Sure. So I was the chief marketing officer for a company called True Place, and they do vacation rental photography and virtual tours. So I saw a lot of photography. I saw a lot of vacation rentals. I actually got to know all like the metadata behind the images as well. There's a lot more to it than just a great photo, obviously. And having photography in my background, I really knew how to play into the marketing there. But I really fell in love with the vacation rental industry and the hospitality industry. And so I met my co-founder, Travis Wilburn, from Stay Charlottesville, and we formed the 100 Collection in October of last year as this way to basically, you know, find and vet and recognize outstanding vacation rental companies. I love that. Now, I want to talk with you specifically about brand building, because I know that this is something that's in your blood. (laughs) It's something that you're passionate about. But I think a lot of individual short-term rental owners who maybe just have, you know, one, two, three properties may not necessarily think about building a brand behind their short-term rental business. From your perspective, why is brand so important to have in place as a short-term rental owner or operator? So brand is essentially important in hospitality because you're putting your personal stamp on that experience. Like you own, manage, care for these properties and whatever experience they have in them, around them is a reflection of you. And so you want that to be positive and memorable. And the best way to do that is through great branding in addition to execution. I love that. I totally agree. And I think so many people struggle with that a little bit. And so I'm excited to kind of dive into a conversation about how to actually make that come to life. You know, I also think that a lot of people assume that a brand means having a logo. What say you to a comment like that? I say your brand is what your guests say it is. So if, if they say it's nothing more than a logo, ouch, <laughs> That's, it's not good. But essentially a, a brand is really four things, right? And there are four things that all good brands have in common. A good brand is, is relevance. It has a relevant meaning to you in your life. It has value. There's a value attached to that brand. It has very clear messaging and it's very memorable. Yeah. Yeah. So let's dive into each of those a little bit. When when you say relevant, again, can you unpack that a little bit? So if someone is thinking, okay, I have to create a brand around my short-term rental business and I have, I'm, I'm making this up, I have a property in Texas and I have a property, you know, on the ski slopes in 
Vermont. How do I build a brand that's relevant to very different target audiences? Talk to us a little bit about that. So it's about the consistency of the guest experience, really. So if you're targeting somebody who, let's just say that this there's a woman traveling by herself and she's looking for Zen. She wants alone time. She wants peace and quiet. She wants serenity. You can provide that consistently in Vermont or in Georgia. The way that you do that is through all the tactile experiences that she has, but also in your marketing of those locations. So you provide pictures of like, you know, somebody sitting in a yoga pose or soaps and shampoos that are all very streamlined and minimalist. So the, the marketing can and the branding can manifest in these different ways and yet still provide the same feel to it, if that makes sense. And if you look at any of the marketing that Ritz-Carlton does, you know whether Ritz-Carlton is in Jamaica or in Vail, it's going to be a Ritz-Carlton experience, right? And so it's, it's that kind of consistency and yet unique to each location. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, it, it correlates so much with what I teach my students inside my STR Success Accelerator program, and that is your properties are not your business, okay? Your properties are a product of your business. You have to elevate yourself above the properties. And, you know, as we're talking right now, have a consistent brand around the delivery of the experience, regardless of, to your point, whether you're going after an individual female traveler who's looking for relaxation or a corporate traveler or a multi-generational family. It's all about the experience that they can expect with you. I love that. Let's talk about value. So a lot of people associate the word value with potentially meaning, oh, well, that means I have to offer discounts. What do you mean? (laughs) Talk to us about what value really, really bubbles up to in the sense of a brand. It's actually, again, going back to the guest, what do like, what is your value to them? Are you worth every penny? Is your value in saving pennies? Like, where is the value that you're bringing them? Because value means you appreciate something. It has has meaning. I like to use the word resonate or reverberate because that actually musically has a meaning where you physically feel a reverberation of the music and a vibration of the music, and you want to resonate with somebody and have value in their life. And so whether that's, and you can be saving pennies, right? You could be a a value-driven brand, and that's great and fine and deliver great. But if you're worth every penny, you're going to be a little bit more expensive, but that value, uh, whatever it is that you're bringing is more curated, more thoughtful, that's going to have a different value as well. So I think the word value should mean what is valued here? Like what is the guest mm-hmm. value rather than like value pack coupons, <laughs> you right, know? Right. Yeah. And again, I want to touch on, let's say as an example, we have different properties in different locations that may have different target audiences. And I'm I'm curious to get your perspective on this because you mentioned the Ritz-Carlton, you know, regardless of where the Ritz-Carlton is, it is definitely, you know, an elevated experience, one that, you know, a lot of us can just picture it just by saying the words Ritz-Carlton. 
Well, let's say in one location, I have a luxury property and obviously I'm targeting, you know, a higher end uh, guest in a luxury property and maybe in a different location, I'm targeting someone completely different. It's a completely different target audience. How do I build a brand around something in that scenario? So that scenario reminds me of when the Lexus car debuted. If you remember back in the day, the makers of the Lexus tried to sell it under like a Ford or, you know, a Chrysler. There's always like that parent company couldn't do it because nobody's going to buy a luxury vehicle from X brand. They had to create an entirely separate company that introduced the Lexus. There's a reason for that, right? So people were willing to spend the money on a Lexus coming from this other brand, but they weren't willing to spend it coming from like a Ford brand, even though same manufacturing line, right? right? Same, almost everything. And and several car manufacturers have actually done this. So Mm -hmm. I would kind of think long and hard about that. If you look at Marriott, they've got Fairfield Inn, totally, you know, budget traveler, it's fine. And then they've got a loft and they've got W like there's different tiers. There's different brands associated with different experiences. So I would think long and hard about that based on what other brands like that have done. Okay. Now that is a really cool approach to think through for an owner of properties that have different target audiences. I love that because it allows there to be clarity. I think, again, sometimes when we're trying to have a potpourri <laughs> or we're, we're making brand soup where we're just throwing everything in one bucket and stirring it up and, and hoping it uh, becomes successful or relevant, that can be really difficult if you've got completely different target audiences. So I like the approach of creating you know, sub brands around your target audiences, not your properties. Would you agree with that approach? So I would say that I like the idea of rolling up under an umbrella brand because it's basically saying to the guest, I'm here for you, but in a different way. Yeah, very cool. This podcast is brought to you in part by InHaven. You know, it seems obvious, but it's true. Guests feel more comfortable and are more likely to recommend your property when they feel like they're well taken care of. InHaven is your one-stop shop for hosting essentials like hypoallergenic sheets, luxe towels, durable kitchenware, and oh, my friends, do they have all the decorative accents. And all of InHaven's products will make your property feel like it's a true getaway for anyone that stays. Now, InHaven also makes shopping for your rental so much fun because it's so easy and way more affordable than driving all over town. Plus, sign up is free for all short-term rental hosts. And to say thank you for listening to my podcast, you can now get $50 off your first order. All you have to do is go to inhaven.com backslash sister, start shopping, and enter the code sister at checkout to snag your 50 bucks off. All right. Thanks so much for listening. And now let's get back into the podcast. 
All right, let's talk about clear and consistent messaging, which I've I remember you just, you know, mentioned a few minutes ago. This can be really challenging for folks who feel like they are not they're not creative. Uh, talk to us about, you know, how to really create messaging that is clear, consistent, memorable, relevant. How, do, how does one go about doing that? So one trick that I learned uh, when I was doing the social media listening was I would actually read the comments. <laughs> so I would go into what a lot of people were saying about the brands, right? So people who were consumers of the brand, fans, raving fans, what were they saying? What language were they using? So like with Revlon, for example, the word love kept coming up. Love, love, love. And there's like that red color and there's passion. And I was like, love, like there's a lot of love around these like Revlon products. So we turned around and tied that back into a whole campaign that love is love. So if you listen to what people are saying, go on your competitors' sites and look at the Google reviews and see what words and comments, like does that reflect anything in your brand? Because guest reviews and, and people writing about their experience tend to be very clear. <laughs> and if it's a good brand, it's consistent. But at least it's somewhere to start because if you get kind of like blank page scares, you know, then don't fear. Just go read what other people are saying about your brand, your experience. Start there and kind of cherry pick some words and phrases and then go search those words and phrases and see if there's an association that's like, yeah, that that reflects me. That reflects my brand and the experience. And then start to massage those words into sentences and phrases around why you're doing this. And ultimately, you will come up with some pretty clear and consistent messaging. Right. I'm curious to get your thoughts on AI, because I'm sure a lot of people would think, hey, I'll just hop over to ChatGPT and have ChatGPT create a brand for me. Talk to us a little bit about your thoughts with that approach and if you feel like that has merit or could be detrimental. So, yeah, I have a, a lot of people who struggle with the copywriting aspect and have found ChatGPT or Bard, you know, very, very helpful. So I think it's a great place to start, you know, again, going back to the blank page scaries. You know, if you if that's something that you suffer from going to Bard or ChatGPT and plugging in like a description or trying to pull out some kind of mission statement or or tagline or something like that is a great place to start. Just remember, everybody else is probably also doing the exact same thing. So what I would probably do is use that as a draft, like a rough draft or first draft. And then I would continue to massage it. I would run it by a couple friends, coworkers, you know, and then get it into a refined state that is your voice. But I think it's totally fine to start there and start. It's a great place to research. I use it for research for the content that I create. It's just, it's never my final draft. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, cool. All right. I want to talk about being memorable. And, you know, again, it can be really difficult, I think, for folks when they're thinking about, okay, how do I create a brand around what I'm doing in the short-term rental space? Like, how, how do I become memorable? How do I portray that I'm memorable? Talk to us a little bit about the tactics behind that. How does that come to life for someone? Or how does someone bring a memorable brand to life? It's a great question uh, and really important to be looking at in today's competitive market. <laughs> so 
there's a book called Unreasonable Hospitality that talks in depth about this. So I would highly recommend getting an inspiration from there. But I will say, honestly, it starts with thoughtfulness. If you are just more thoughtful, if you just spend a little bit more, an unreasonable amount of time thinking about your guest, it will work to the point where something that comes out of those thoughts will be so memorable for the guest because you'll be like, oh, I have this idea or this would, this would mean a lot. But that thoughtfulness and that intention that you bring, that translates into memorable experiences for the guest. Don't just check a box, <laughs> right? And, right? and say it's done. I have this photo that I took in the mall. There was a candy store and the sign out front said, absolutely no nutritional value. Just right there in the window. It was obviously a candy store. Of course, there's no nutritional right. value. Who would think that? But the fact that they like put that on a sign, I've never forgotten that. So it's like, if you just, you know, look at something upside down, look at something backwards, you know, take a, a hot second and just look at it again. And, and you will find something that's like, oh, that will stick. <laughs> that will be memorable. Right. I love that. That's very fun. Uh, I can envision why you remember the absolutely no nutritional value. Because to your point, it is obvious, right? When we think about candy, but a lot of people cover that up. You know, they, they don't want to share that. So that's really, really cool and unique and memorable. Yeah, just don't be vanilla. I mean, I, I think my biggest concern is that people try to, like you said earlier, appeal to everyone. And, yeah. and then you end up appealing to no one. And I would yeah. just even if you polarize people as a brand, just please don't be vanilla. Right, right. I also want to talk with you about, you know, what elements are important to have within your brand and about being consistent. You know, again, you think about clear messaging, consistency in your messaging is really important. Consistency in your brand is really important. First, I want to have you talk us through if someone is, you know, looking to build a brand around their short-term rental business, what would they need to have in order to have a quote brand? Is it just a logo? Talk to us about what elements are a part of that. So brand is consistency from discovery to experience. And so if they discover your brand because they're searching for family friendly, like fun rentals in Orlando, like, you know, those, those keywords, family, fun, Orlando, those all conjure up certain things. So your brand has to follow through on that. So is your, does your logo have multiple colors? Is it just a typeface that's fun, which is also fine. So you just have to think through what that looks like and be consistent with it, but then also deliver to the experience. So the photography, you know, that is the photos of that place has to be fun, family friendly, you know, in, involved Disney, you know, we've seen these rooms that are fully decked out, you know, in themes in that location. So that's consistent with the brand experience that we started building way back in the discovery phase. So we're just making sure that we carry it through. And then of course, with the experience, you know, are they going to be top tier luxury sheets? Probably not. And that's like, it was clean. It was comfortable. I had a good night's like, it's just got to be consistent, but you've got to deliver on those original keywords, that set of expectations and that brand consistency the whole way through. And then of course, follow through, you know, once the guest departs, like, did you send them like Mickey Mouse ears? You know what I mean? Like think about the whole thing all the way through, not just, this is my logo. These are my three colors. 
Yes, yes, yes. And I do think that that is what a lot of people assume that, hey, I've got a logo and a business card. I am golden, you know, where it is so much more than that. Talk to us about, you know, fonts and style guides. You know, do you feel like that's important for a short-term rental owner to incorporate into their brand? Oh my gosh. Yes. Our brand style guide at the 100 collection is our Bible. <laughs> it has the CMYK colors, which by the way, when, even when I go to create a LinkedIn post, I will create the same CMYK color that is in the logo for, for anything that I post on social. It sounds really nitpicky, but it is that level of consistency that people will subconsciously pick up on. So every detail, the fonts that we use, the family fonts, you have to make sure they're web-friendly because you're going to do most of your, you know, marketing online. So think about that, you know, what font translates really well on small devices, I'm assuming, you know, 60-70% of your traffic is coming from mobile. So if you think through, again, that thoughtfulness, you know, behind your brand, and then you document it in one brand guide, that makes it super easy for you to find somebody who, hey, can you do my email marketing? Or hey, can you do my social media marketing? Or hey, can you do this? You give them your brand guide, your brand Bible, and then they have something to reference when they create content for you. And then that brings that consistency thread through all those different pieces as well. So how, how to use your logo goes in there, right? How not to use your logo goes in there. I've even seen brands put like an SLA or a service level agreement set of standards of like, we talk to people like this. We do not use these words. That's a tone that you're creating with your brand experience as well. So like I said, that consistency, you know, from search to experience you can get that through that brand guide. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think tone of voice to your point is so incredibly important because just going back to your, your example of the family fun stay in Orlando, you know, if the conversation with the guest is very stark and business-like and corporate and short, that doesn't, build again an experience that's consistent with what I'm expecting from you. And so I love the idea of having, you know, a tone of voice really, really dialed in. I can tell you from my own experience when I hired my concierge team, that was something that I really had to train them on because I'm a pretty I like to say I'm not a very stuffy person, right? I like to have fun. I like to be real and authentic and I love to laugh, you know, and I want that same experience for our guests when they're staying with us. And I think that was a little difficult for, you know, my team. I'm like, hey, you let's talk to them like they're our friends and use the exclamation point and the smiley face emoji, right? Because that's how I talk to people. So I, I just think, you know, you really, really nailed that when you talk about tone of voice and how important that is to be, again, consistent across every conversation. So I'm just going to get off my soapbox now, but I totally agree, Rebecca. I guess this might short way of saying that. <laughs> well, you are fun. I mean, come on. Who, who else is like, let's go to drag down Nashville store, like hang out in the, the bar. With a, there's a Bronco in here. I don't know. Like, Oh my gosh. That's so funny. I want to talk with you too about, you know, timing to build a brand because I think a lot of people might be hearing us talking and 
maybe they're concerned like, oh my gosh, I don't have anything today. You know, I am, you know, I'm in a massive hole here and I have to build my brand as quickly as possible. Talk to us a little bit about your thoughts and perspective on a step-by-step or what should folks tackle first when they're just starting from scratch? So I would say start with the why. Why are you doing this? Why? What? Why? What else could you be doing right now that might be more fun? Nothing? Okay, then you're probably in the right spot, but why are you doing this? And there are plenty of templates out there for like brand style guides or building a brand. It, it's actually a very boring process. So if for anybody who's concerned about this being, oh, I'm not creative or I'm not a creative type, don't sweat it. This is a very systematic process to build a brand, but you have to answer your own why once you do that. And then you follow these brand guidelines to start building that brand, start building out your experience, your uh, points of touch. It's very systematic. So there's really, I don't want to say no creativity in it at that point, but you're kind of just filling in a worksheet and it's fairly easy to do once you've nailed that first thing. I love that. And then, you know, the other thing too to think about is everyone has their own skill sets and strengths and weaknesses. And I don't know about you, but I would encourage people to get help and support from others who are experts at brand building. You know, there are all types of people that you can come across and find online, whether it's through Upwork or Fiverr or in our own online communities that can support. Don't feel like you have to do it alone. You know, would you agree with that? Yeah, completely. Ask for feedback. I think some people are afraid to be like, hey, this is a draft of my logo. What do you think? They're maybe even afraid of negative feedback, but you've created a community that is such a safe space. So I would advise anybody who has that kind of network to put it out there, you know, put it out there, ask for feedback. You know, you can accept or reject anything that comes back, but that will help you kind of refine and, and get some thoughtfulness to it. I'm a huge fan of marketing agencies and branding agencies and consultants because the outside perspective, it can be incredibly helpful because you're so in it. You're so in the weeds. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard to see through that. So bringing in somebody from the outside can point out stuff that you might not have caught. Again, you can accept or reject, but having that outside perspective or consultant really does help too. Yeah. Absolutely. And then the other thing I I want to ask you is, you know, what if someone is listening to this and thinking, wow, I have done this all wrong. <laughs> you know, I've, I've built what I thought was a brand, but after listening to Rebecca, I feel like I need to go back to the drawing board. Talk to us about, is that okay? Is there a potential negative to changing your logo, changing your colors, changing your fonts, changing your messaging. Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, it can be expensive. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, maybe that would be a negative, but no, just reinvent yourself. It's fine. People do it all the time. Brands do it. If you look at the evolution of like the Google logo over time, that has subtly changed, but not drastically changed. It's kind of fun. They change it almost, you know, on a daily basis for certain events. So no, it's, it's totally fine to change. Just don't change to the wrong thing. You know, if, if you're going to take the time and money to do this, you know, really be thoughtful about what you're doing and the resources that you're using so that that effort is completely worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, that's really, an important reason to bring in experts and third parties who, you know, can support you through the process so that you get the feedback you need, you 
you get outside ideas. Sometimes I think this business, since so many of us are working from home or working from the playground, you know, it, it can feel very lonely, very like you're operating on an island. And I think having feedback from other people is so incredibly helpful. So if you're listening and thinking, I, I really want to build a brand or around my short-term rental business, or I need to build a stronger brand, I would just say, you know, get your arms locked with other people who can help you along the way. That's really good advice. Speaking of advice, I am just curious, what have you seen as the biggest mistakes from short-term rental owners, whether it is about either not building a brand or maybe not having consistency in their branding? What mistakes are you seeing people make these days? Oh gosh, how much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. The top few mistakes. Okay. (laughs) So of course I'm biased about this answer, but photography, I've seen iPhone photos that people think are fine. They're not fine. That that's a make or break deal when you're booking vacation rental. So, and that's your brand reflected in that image. And I'm shocked at some of the photography I've seen of short-term rentals. That's another instance where it's like, unless you are an actual professional photographer, and even if you are, the way you do vacation rental photography is different. It's even, you can't even hire a real estate photographer. It's different than real estate. So you kind of have to have, you know, a vacation rental photographer. That can be a struggle, but like invest, invest, because that is your brand. The other thing that I've seen, and this is again, like from the guest perspective, but non-mobile friendly communication about my rental experience. So an email saying, welcome, here's your code. Here's, you know, some guidelines about staying here. I can't read this on my phone. Like the, it's small print. It was meant to be read on a desktop. It's not translating to mobile. That's a really bad way to start the experience. <laughs> and if my impression, my impression of your brand is that you don't care enough to make a mobile friendly version, that's not a good way to, to leave things. So that's, that's another thing I'm seeing is like, just please mobile friendly, <laughs> that communication. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really important call out. And someone might go, well, gosh, I don't even know if my communications are mobile friendly. You know, I would encourage you to actually book a stay with yourself. You know, so many times I recommend to people stay in your properties, right? So you understand the experience of what a guest is going to feel when they're staying in your property. It was very eye-opening to me when I actually booked a stay with my own company because I was like, wow, okay, we just sent three emails in the last 12 hours. You know, <laughs> you know I mean, yeah. it is, it's eye-opening. So that's a great way also to find out if you're mobile friendly, right? Yep. That's a really good idea. Another thing I would point out is that your property is in a location and yet you tend to only market the property. So especially when you're just starting out and you just have like, you know, one or two, and maybe you're not living in that area. That's the one or two that you have. It's easy to just look at it as like an an interior experience. It's not like there, there's an exterior there (laughs) that they're Mm -hmm. staying in and walking in and driving in. Mm -hmm. So I think that adding or supplementing information 
insider tips about the community, about the neighborhood, if you're even around neighbors, I mean, just more information and more context about the property itself is lacking out there. You know, that's a really, really relevant point to me. And I'm curious to get your feedback on this. So many of the properties that I personally own are inside resorts on the beach. Okay. And there are other owners at those same resorts that don't necessarily have the care that I have in my own property. They may have a different target audience. They are in condo tell buildings. So there are people that can actually walk in and, you know, check in at the front desk. Although my guests are walking in straight to the condo. What say you to someone in that scenario where the, the resort or the exterior experience isn't in line with the brand and the experience that you're offering inside your four walls? That's a challenge <laughs> because turns out you can't control other people's minds, <laughs> at least right. not yet. <laughs> you right. know what, actually, if ChatGPT could figure that out, that would actually be really helpful. <laughs> um, so so for now, yeah, for now, I think that when, again, going back to photos, I've seen it where there's exterior shots taken of the condo building to set the expectation that you are staying in room X on floor X within this bigger experience. Mm -hmm. And FYI, this is what the parking lot looks like out front. And just FYI, this is to really set the expectation of like, this is the setting in which you're going to enter. Like obviously mm -hmm. within your four walls, you control that experience, but you can't control the outside. But what you can do is manage expectations, right? Yeah. Visually. That's a huge help. And then also in your communication that like you could say to be mindful of other guests and play with other guests who are also using the same pool or, you know, using the same hot tub, even though you're hundred percent sure those guests are probably not going to be mindful of yours. <laughs> but I think even just you coming out and saying that, like, my guests are thoughtful of, you know, those around them can't speak for every guest. In that right. Location, but. right, right. Yeah, it's a very interesting dynamic and balance that we have to walk because, you know, to your point, you can't control other people's minds and you certainly can't control other people's actions. And sometimes, you know, there are other guests at that same property who may make not so great decisions. And so it can really impact, candidly, our reviews sometimes something that I think managing expectations up front as much as possible can only help us in the long run. Yep. So cool. All right. So Rebecca, I want to shift gears really quick and I want to go to the lightning round. So I am going to ask you to answer these questions with the very first thing that comes to mind. First question is where is your favorite place to vacation? I'm going to be totally honest. I don't think I've been there yet because I still have not been to Italy and I have not been to the South of France. And those are two kind of my top like life goals to get there. So I have a feeling those are going to be my faves, but haven't been there yet. I do love Hawaii. That's gorgeous. It's just like you're in heaven. Yeah. And I also love San Diego. So yes. Do you have a favorite island in Hawaii? Maui. Maui's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. 
Now you've already answered my next question because my next question is what's one place you've never been that you want to visit? I have a feeling you're going to tell me Italy and the South of France. Let me know if I'm wrong. <laughs> Good guess. <laughs> yeah. Those are definitely, and I also haven't been to Turks and Caicos. I, th I think my list oh. is a little too long, but like I'm a warm climate culture person. So mm -hmm. if you're going to be like, Hey, you've got six days, go wherever you want. Odds are I'm not going north. Odds are I'm headed somewhere warm. You and me too. I mean, send me to the Caribbean, anywhere in the Caribbean, and I will be in your backpack. I mean, yes, 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 yes. Okay. What's one thing you know now that you wished you knew when you were starting out in the short-term rental industry? I wish I knew that I'm going to be okay no matter what. Because I feel like when I first started out, it was like, yikes, because I really wanted to do a good job. Unfortunately, I started right uh, when the pandemic hit. And so everybody's like, oh, you'll learn about short-term rentals, the vacation rental industry through the conferences and live events. That's really how you learn things. And then two weeks later, the world shut down. <laughs> so, like, so I was like, ah, but no. And, and I love everybody in this industry who reached out to me, even though there was no like benefit to them. They spent an hour on the phone with me teaching me, educating me about this, you know, and eventually I learned like, you know what, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I wish I would have known that on like March 30th. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like you, I started actually buying short-term rentals during COVID as well. Prior to that, I invested in long-term real estate um, and did some flips and all that kind of fun stuff. But I am consistently and continuously so blown away by all the amazing people in this industry and how much it is uh, refreshing to see people who just truly love helping others. You know, not a lot of industries can say that. So I think it's pretty incredible. Yeah, I agree. Okay. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? So... I think the best piece of advice I've ever been given is just try it. And if you fail, it's okay. I know that sounds like really simple and easy and everybody kind of knows that, but I personally did not. So I want to thank Valerie Gargas for, she's the one who told me that. I, I just, I'm the kind of person who, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to hundred percent do it. I'm going to overachieve at it. And so I tend to get commitment phobe where it's like, well, I don't want to commit to doing that because if I can't do it 110%, I'm not going to do it at all. And I think the advice of like, you know what, your, your hundred percent is most people's like 150%. So just go for it. Like, see what you can right. do. And if it doesn't work out, it's okay. Right. You can always pivot or evolve, but yeah, I, I always say, you know, say progress over perfection because I am a recovering perfectionist myself and I am very much like you. If I'm going to commit to doing something, I want to do it well. I want to do it right. And that, that there's nothing wrong with that, but sometimes that can be crippling at the same time, you know? Yeah. And I keep going back to actually what my yoga instructor says. He's like, they call it yoga practice, not yoga perfect. I might need a lot of practice when it comes to yoga. Okay. <laughs> Don't ask me to do a downward dog. because <laughs> I would be falling on my face. All right. What is one thing and or person that you're grateful for today? I am grateful for my husband because 
this has been quite a journey launching a company, investing in a brand, you know, taking time and resources towards something that's a big fat question mark. <laughs> right. So for for him to be completely supportive and encouraging all the time, you know, even with our two kids, and my kids have been super encouraging as well. They're like really excited about it. So I, I'm super thankful for my husband being like just an amazing support. So cool. So cool. Okay, Rebecca, before we wrap up, if folks want to learn more about you or about the 100 collection, where can they find you online? So please connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm there all the time. And I love DMs. I love chatting. I love meeting. You can totally invite me to like follow your page and stuff. That's cool. To learn more about the 100 collection, though, I would go to Instagram and just drool for the rest of the day <laughs> because our Instagram account is nothing but like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like these are just jaw dropping photos. So gorgeous properties, gorgeous experiences. Yeah. Instagram for 100 collection. I love it. Rebecca, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Now, before you go, I want to give a quick shout out to some of the amazing women inside the female short-term rental investors, Facebook group. We have Libby Bako, who recently posted, help, please, I need to name my cabin ASAP. It's riverfront on the Shenandoah River, and all the cabins there have names. For a description of the place, the cabin is at the foot of the Massanutten Mountains in George Washington National Forest, very close to Shenandoah National Park. The river is slow and windy. Now, she also says, thank you for helping me with these ideas. I trust this group of anyone I know to have great creativity. Well, I can tell you, Libby had so many comments with wonderful suggestions, actually 208 comments to be specific, where folks like Kelly Cronin said, Misty Morning's Cabin. Ashley Martin said the cat back cottage. Ashley Martin also said the fox den. And we had so many other folks providing such great suggestions. Janelle Brueggemann said green tin cabin or little river cabin. So many suggestions to help Libby get her cabin named. So first, I just want to give a shout out to all the fabulous suggestions coming from these wonderful women. Thank you for taking time out of your day to help someone else be creative and successful. And Libby, we want to know what you ended up naming the cabin. So be sure to send me a private message and let me know what you decided on. And with that, my friends, I am going to wrap up this episode. I hope you have an amazing week and I will look forward to seeing you soon. Hey sister, thanks for listening to the podcast. I wanted to let you know about a free resource my team is providing, the STR Success Blueprint Strategy Session. If you're looking to take your STR business to the next level, or heck, even just get it started, this free one-on-one -on -one is something you won't want to miss. You'll discover new tools for your STR business and outline an action plan that will help you achieve your goals and reverse engineer your STR success. 
This session is your chance to get the help you need to succeed. Schedule your free STR Success Blueprint Strategy Session right now by visiting stacystjohn.com backslash success.